All right, everybody. Here we are. We're going to actually do a coach's. Oh, I should turn my mic down. Look at that. Oh. It's a little high. I'm a little loud right now. I haven't even been drinking. <laughs> I'm a little. But uh, thank you. I say, for... what's in your Coke? <laughs> Just Coke. Mm. Hey, thank you for joining us for the coach's spot. I am Jason T. Powell. I'm here with Will Smith. Um, give it up real quick. How much, how, what have you coached? Because we never talk about that. Oh, I, yeah. I should do it as the intro, but well, I should do it and be a good fine. host. So um, I've coached football, uh, playing senior high for cool. five, five years. Get a little closer to Mike. Okay. You got such a nice voice. I'm going to hear it. Thank you. What is it? A face made for radio? So, yeah. <laughs> Plano Senior High. Plano Senior High, five years. I coached baseball at Plano Senior High for eight years. Mm -hmm. I opened up my own baseball academy. Yeah. And ran that for about 15 years. Okay. Uh, so, coached football, baseball. Technically, you're still coaching now, too. Technically. If you two, call it. I have two boys that are in high school football. and they No, were, I'm talking about your credit. Oh, yeah, I coach with the credit, absolutely. Yeah, credit medic. Credit medic. Right? Yes. I can't say it. And my <laughs> dyslexia is like, I'm going to take that and just yeah. crunch it. Credit something. Credit medic. Credit medic. There we go. There go. It's easy to say. It should be. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you get into that? Man, okay. So but you're still coaching people. That's coaching. I still coach. That's yeah. coaching. Coaching just, you know, some real life stuff. And, yeah. it's, and it's, you know what? Here's the funny thing is when you talk about teaching or coaching or educating, it, it can be any. Thing. It can be sports, right. it can be school. I think once you once you know how to communicate. That's the thing. If you if you have a subject matter that you have knowledge on, yeah, and then you have to be able to actually transition it to other people, then you're you're teaching in everything. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so how I got into that, oh my gosh. So I, at the time, you know, I I coached uh, for eight, nine years, close to ten, something mm -hmm. like that. And then I got into Did you become rich? No. By coaching? Not even close. <laughs> Um, Everybody's always like, oh, it must be really good. <laughs> yeah, whatever. No, I was actually, if you broke down, because obviously what a lot of people don't think about when you're coaching is that obviously you're, after the game, you're there. Right. Either breaking down some tape or getting things taken care of, squared away. Hourly, you make yeah. about two bucks an hour. It's not too far away. No. At that point in time. Yeah. Um, I was on weekends. You're there on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. You're there Friday nights, obviously. You're there if you're in during baseball. You're actually working during the summer, but you're not getting paid extra for it. Right. Um, you know, say just different things. Um, I was basically working between 60 to 70 hours a week, making probably 50,000, which isn't horrible. No, not right? bad. Not for, you know, but, but above. Small. It's above poverty. Yeah, it's above <laughs> poverty. But yeah, so it wasn't like yeah, I was getting rich in any way, shape, or form. We're never, right. never going to get there either. No. Uh, but so, yeah, I was. Well, there. and there's so many extra costs that people don't take into account because no. I mean, you're always buying stuff for your athletes and just yeah. there's extra costs as well, a coach. Stuff that the schools won't pay for. Yeah. That you get things that you take care of yourself, like during the summer, paying, driving myself to games. Yeah. Um, to travel, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I probably take home after everything was spent and taxes and everything like that. Yeah, man, probably about half of that. Yeah, so, I was going to say it's about 25 grand a year, yeah, probably. Right. Um, but so I left that to go to administration mm -hmm. at uh, probably early 30s, thinking that, hey, uh, as a young guy in his early 30s, mm -hmm. um, typically people move into administration closer to like their mid 40s to late 40s. Right. I'm getting a head track into a making more money. Right. Spending less time away from my family, um, only to find out that I hated administration and yeah. ed education level. Because you're making Because you're not a sociopath? No. <laughs> well, depends who you ask. Ask my wife. Um, but I was making decisions that did not help kids. 
Right. And so I would make a long story even longer. I was at a private school where I was the principal of this private school, and we were extremely successful. Twice mm-hmm. the Dallas Morning News School of the Year, twice the Principal oh, awesome. of the Year. Yeah, really? We, well, we had a lot of people that voted. I didn't know that. Yeah. We, they, I've known you how many years? I never knew that. Well, I was going to say, people voted. It wasn't because of actually any skill. Right. But... Um, we all, people don't vote for you because you suck. Uh, well, you know, well, unless you're Biden. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we, we, I don't think we had any dead people that voted for me, but there might have been. I don't know. They voted two or three times. I think they could vote multiple times. So yeah. But um, there goes everybody that was uh, not into the partisanship. Yeah, right. But we had, uh, it was a private school. Yeah. Guess what? They want to make money. Right. Well, at the same time, uh, they wanted me to slash teachers' budgets. And what people don't realize. Oh. Teachers at private schools make less, less money. Yeah, I knew at that. Public schools. Yeah, and t- sometimes it's a lot less. See, I'm in the private sector, so I make a little bit more than the average coach. Right. So, so, but they wanted me to slash their t- their budgets mm-hmm. or their hours even right. more, and I refused to do that. Right. I well, because teachers won't. You can slash their hours, and they're still working those hours. Yeah. So they're That's already making sucks. less than a public school teacher, which people always say, well, public school teachers don't make any money. Well, guess what? Yeah, private school teachers do. make even less. Well, especially if they have a master's. Or, the, our teachers and, had yeah. to have, you know, they were a bachelor's bare minimum. Because some of them, we, we did early childhood all the way up till fifth grade. Okay. So even our early childhood. Yeah. Our infant teachers had to have degrees. Right. Um, so, but I refused and I held out for probably about six to eight months. Mm-hmm. And one day I was walking through the hall and I saw one of the private owners or the silent partners there. Never been there in the two and a half to three years I'd been there. Mm-hmm. It's like, this can't be good. Right. And they said, okay, well, you've been fighting this and fighting this. So you have two options today. You can either agree to our budget cuts or you can resign on the spot. Right. I said, where do I sign? Yeah. Because I always knew I had a standing offer to go back to coaching play. I know you well enough to know that that was the answer before they said it. Pretty much. Because <laughs> we, we had one of our. I'd be the same way. One of our p- partners was always there. For business practices to run right. the business part, I right. ran the school. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were there probably five to six hours a day. Right. But so they said, "Hey, we need you to come into the office." And this, and I said, I've, I've seen the silent partners before. Mm-hmm. I'm not dumb. But with them both being in there, asked me to come in. I'm like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, it's time." And so I signed. I text my wife. Said, "Guess what? I'm coming home because I guess who's unemployed right now?" <laughs> what did she say? She said, "Oh well." You actually lasted a little bit longer than I thought you were. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, my wife is unbelievably supportive. Yeah. Because I just left. Yeah. And I I was like, it's not the place for me. Yeah. And uh, she's like, I don't know how we're going to survive, but I support you. It's, and that's pretty it's much. always been the way it is. We don't know yeah. how, but we'll find a way. Yeah. And we always have. I'm hoping sooner or later a podcast will yeah, hit yeah. or my public speaking will right. hit. Or, public speaking, actually, it, it's it's getting better. I think people are seeing an end yeah. to it. So well, when you I can love, finally come out into public, like legitimately yeah. where people are not afraid, right? People are not worried about social distancing or masks or when people have the full liberty and freedom. I'm hoping that happens someday. I'd like to think so. <laughs> um, and in certain States in certain areas, hopefully it'll become a lot faster than other places from coaching standpoint. It we're in a tough spot right now because oh, they're, if they, if Biden, Comes into office and does another lockdown. Yeah. Gymnastics. That's two seasons in a row. Gymnastics is done. Well, I was going to say, I'm certain. How many kids are going to train for two years to not compete? Yeah, that's ridiculous. And that's what's going to happen. When we talk about certain sports like that, when, because obviously like your mainstream sports. Right. They have a legit season every year, but these guys are actually moving forward for specific reasons. Right. If they're actually going to be successful, whether you call Mm -hmm. it for, you know, for a collegiate Olympic. Right. 
there's and they're on a timetable right they don't have to girls don't have time right because they're done at 18 they're well maybe 22 uh if they go to college but they're on a timetable like boys have a much men's gymnastics has a much longer time period right so if they miss a season or two that's fine they're taking away these kids and i know i've harped on it before but some of these kids this is all they have yeah because they're gymnasts right they a lot of them you know, the homeschool kids have a little bit more of a life because they're done at four o'clock. Mm-hmm. They can do two a days and they can still get their school in and they're done. A lot of kids don't want to miss the public school part of it. Mm-hmm. So they go to public school, which is I have plenty of gymnasts that have been very successful with doing public school. But then that means they're not getting home till eight, eight thirty. They're not eating. They're missing dinner with their parents. They're missing hanging out with their friends. They're yeah. skipping school dances, right. which they're not having right now. But still, they're skipping that kid stuff for gymnastics because they're an athlete and that's all they have. Yeah. And you're taking away another one of their seasons. Taking away their life at this point in time. And I don't think anybody's taking that into account. No. I, Not to mention these college kids, the kids that are missing their senior years. Yeah. Because at Texas, we're not hit as hard. Right. But California, New Jersey, yeah. they're... they're they're still not at gyms yeah. and they're talking about doing a full another shutdown. Yeah. Uh, Whitmer don't even get me started on Whitmer. I know this isn't a, po- a political podcast, but she just said that now if you do anything, mm-hmm. she wants to shut everything down more, but the Michigan Supreme court said you can't. Right. She's saying now everybody has to get names. What names and phone numbers at least, or you can't serve them as a customer. Right. That is Awful close. That's some big brother stuff right there. Yeah. yeah. I'm supposed to be letting you talk. So, but no, I just right. went off on a soapbox. No, it's true though. Right. You know, talk about, you know, I mentioned that, like, you know, I still have friends in the coaching industry, mm-hmm. baseball coaches, like last year, they're outgoing seniors that did not have an outgoing season. Obviously some of the kids that are on select teams that are have already, you know, know if they're going, uh, if they're going to be drafted or right. if they're going to go to play college, but there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of baseball programs a lot of colleges mm-hmm. that they're not until the end of the sp- spring into summer that they're still filling out their rosters right and all these kids did not have the opportunity on a baseball and they're not on film in a nice big open air yeah. area to play baseball right and so now where they may have had the opportunity to possibly select from legitimately 10 schools mm-hmm. let's say that shrank down to two and now those two schools are even trying to decide amongst this massive pool of players that they haven't seen play in eight. And there's months. no film. Yeah. So you're going off of stuff that as 17, 18 year olds, you're looking at their film from 16, 17. Yeah. And any athlete at that age for a full year, talk Big about difference. puberty. Yeah. You know, maturation of the body. Not to, to mention play. your testosterone level. Yeah. So if you're lifting and you're doing all these other things, right. Who knows? It's just, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. And, it's over something that shouldn't be, but I'll get off the political. So you left the school. So I left the school and, you know, uh, basically said, Hey, I'm going to go back into coaching. Yeah. However, this is March and teachers don't get hired until June and they don't right. actually start getting paid till August. Right. So my wife's like, well, you better find something until then. <laughs> you know, I've got a little bit of a tiny, the tiniest of severances, yeah. basically one month's pay. Right. And so I'm like, well, I got some time to look. Mm-hmm. I've got a master's in education. I'm working on my doctorate in education. Right. I can find something to do. I'll fall into something. I was looking for some consulting. I was looking for yeah. some speaking things, things like that. I couldn't even get an interview 
I couldn't really? even get anybody that would even let me talk. You know, it's funny. I'm the if I try to leave coaching, it's the same way, which I don't understand because it's management. Yeah, it's management, but I don't think people look at it that way. But even just on a resume sheet, yeah, I had the qualifications. Right. And so one day, my wife's like, "Well, what about this credit repair thing?" I'm like, "That's one step away from a used car salesman." <laughs> I was like, no way, no how. She's like, you know, used car salesmen make they crap do. loads of money. I've, well, I've, I've changed my tune in the last 10 years. Let's put it that way. Um, but so she's like, well, that's great. But guess what? The you bills, need cash. Bill's still got to get paid. Yeah. So you better find something. I went to the interview just to appease her. Yeah. Not even knowing what I'm interviewing for. Went through the interview process. Got hired probably for the first two months of that. Because I'm like, I've never done... Part of my, my part of my job is sales. Right. It's a it's a, a large amount. Absolutely. I have to a- analyze, uh, work with mortgage officers, work with realtors, work with investment firms. But I've got to sell them and their clients on why they should use us to improve their credit. Because if right. you type credit repair into Google, you'll find thousands of companies. Right. What right. makes any of them different? So I'm learning all this stuff, and probably five times a day for the first two months, I'm texting my wife. I can't do this. Yeah. I can't do this. Yeah. She's like, Oh yes, you will. <laughs> oh yes, you will. You can do it. And now I look back at it, I'm like. We're all selling something in some right. form. When you're a coach, you're selling your players, your, your system. athletes. Your system. Yes. I promise you, right now, you may not be able to do that. Right. But if you'll listen to me, yeah. if you'll do what I ask you to do, if you'll give it your full effort, I promise you, you will get there. Yeah. You will improve. When, this, be COVID, when this COVID thing is over, though, yeah. you should try speaking again. I've always talked about that. Well, and I have, I have the whole thing here. Hell, I'll put you on my website. Okay. My website's going to open up I mean, this I week. S- I speak every Sunday and Wednesday. I know. That's what I'm saying. Dude, you pe- well, here's the thing too. You have a wealth, a wealth of knowledge between coaching and uh, what do you consider at your church? I'm an associate pastor. Associate pastor. Whatever you want. To so call now it. you got faith. Yeah. So you got, you got the coaching, the faith and the credit repair. Yeah. Financial. And dude, I'm telling you, you could be, you'd be making bank. The reality is. That- and only have to speak. 18 times a year, 20 times a year. <laughs> Let's mark that down. That um, just comes a little bit. That, that yeah, makes it a funny. little bit more. Uh, well, it's uh, funny when nice. you listen to people. Cause like there's a lot of people say I'm a public speaker and things yeah. like that. And you, like I said, you look on YouTube and find public speakers, but yeah. listen to some of them like men. They suck. Even, even if they have a great wealth of knowledge, mm-hmm. if you can't engage somebody, if you're, <laughs> if, no. I think, and that's, you know, I think that's where, I do better than some people from the stand-up comedy. Absolutely. Because I have 10,000 hours on a microphone. Yeah. So same thing here. You know, I took classes for podcasting. Yeah. Because I, I'm a coach. So I believe in coaching. Training. So I took, and a lot of it deals with, well, you're going to be nervous the first time you're on a mic. I'm like, yeah. okay, can we get past this part? Because <laughs> I'm not. I'm well, not going to say, if there's once one you thing die you- on stage... There's you one thing you're not shit. is you don't let fear stop you from doing anything. No, I I never have. In fact, I think you let it actually motivate you. I think I think that's why I do most things. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it, oh, I can't do it. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't scare me. Let's find out. If it doesn't scare me, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And I mean, first time I was on stage, I, I can't remember if I was really that nervous. I don't remember. But I, I think the challenge of writing jokes is what drew me to it. Oh, speaking of baseball that you brought up earlier, Finn won their championship. I saw that, man. Undefeated. Undefeated. Well I want to get you and Sean on the same show. His coach. Okay. He's he runs for uh, Team World Vision. He does ultra marathons. Oh my god. Great coach though. Those guys are psycho. 
Yeah, he does it purely for the cause. He doesn't even like running. Okay. He does it. He does it because I don't know if you're familiar with World Vision. No. They bring clean. It's a it's a church organization. Okay. Clean water. Clean water. Okay. And uh, he runs for Team World Vision, and he said he never thought about it until one of his friends challenged him, yeah. and it scared him. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, I got to do it." That's all. He's kind of he's like us. Yeah. He's an effort. He's an effort and attitude guy. So he's a player's coach, which yeah. I would say we probably are. Sure. But um, that's crazy. And I promise you on this show that I tell you how I got into. Yeah. Although that goes against all the podcasting rules. It's supposed to be 2080. Well, okay. I mean, so. Although um, I, so. I consider you more of a co-host than I do a a yeah. uh, a guest. So because yeah. you're welcome anytime. Absolutely. No, even if I, I have guests, I hardly on, you're even welcome. have to knock on your door when I walk in. It's I know you just walk. It's so weird. Just walk in. Yeah, right. The dogs will bark. That's about <laughs> it. That's all right. But I mean, the reality is, is that like you said, in all these things, um, we're all selling or coaching or right. educating. It's a faith belief in what you. Somebody gave this to you. You didn't just make right. it up on your own. It's components of this and this and this and this. Yeah. And I put this together. This is what I think works the best. Right. And it's still always growing. It's always maturing. Mm-hmm. And it's always. Or you're done. Or you're done coaching. Yeah. If it doesn't change, oh no, you're done coaching. I'll tell you one of the best things that I ever did when I was a coach at Plano Senior. We always had bigger and better coaches that came in to teach us. Absolutely. I sat in front of Nick Saban. Absolutely. I sat in front of uh, uh, Mac Brown. Yeah. I sat in front of RC Slocum, and I listened to these guys. When this was when I was a peon, you know, I I say I coach football. I basically scouted and washed laundry. For yeah. Part. You know, I was bottom of the barrel. Right. Because in Texas, if you coach any other sport, guess what? You're also going to coach football. Right. But, you know, that was not my main sport. So I just did all the grunt stuff. Yeah. Um, I got to stand on the sidelines on Friday, which was really cool. Well, and you get to see a lot of good football. I got to see some amazing football. Yeah. So, some of it was on the other side of the field, too. Right. Um, but so basically. Every minute you watch, you learn, though. Yes. But as soon as you say, mm, I knew that. I got I everything. That. I don't need to learn anything else. Yeah. You're, You're done. done. You're done. Absolutely. I think that's kind of what happened to Mac Brown for a little bit. I think he got, I think he was a great recruiter. Mm-hmm. He could sit down in front of anybody's parents and, and buy them into Austin, Texas. Right. But when it came time to actually coaching and more importantly, practicing to coach, mm-hmm. that's when he lost out. Yeah. Because they started putting guys in the wrong positions, in the wrong places. They couldn't get the right people in. And then when it came time on Saturdays and they couldn't do the X's and O's anymore because he just didn't want to. I yeah. think he got tired of that. He got tired of dealing with boosters. Mm-hmm. He got tired of dealing with the president. And he's like, hey, I don't mind recruiting, shaking hands because they always had high recruiting. Texas always has a high recruiting class. Right. Just Although they just had, what's his name, skip out? Yeah. But I mean, they're just Texas. They're always going to yeah. have a big recruiting class. But their problem has been in the last 20 years for most of it is everything beyond that. Yeah. That's their issue. Which is weird. How do you not, how do you not find the best coaching staff in the country out of Texas? Well, I I think some of it is that number one, they don't give them enough time. That's, I think that's that's the biggest problem in a lot of sports. It's every sport. Any sport. It's every sport. Is that you took, you look in the five years, minimum 80s, 70s, all these things. You talk about great coaches like Ditka. It took him a couple years to get things going. Tom Landry, Tom Landry took multiple years to get the Cowboys to be successful. Did I tell you I coached uh, uh, Fedora? Um, oh, what's his first name? Larry Fedora. Uh-uh. I coached his daughters. Really? Mm-hmm. That's in awesome. Mississippi when he was yeah. at uh, Southern Miss. Yeah. Yeah. He, nice guy. Yeah. But now if you're not winning within the first year and. Which is stupid. To, and here's the craziest no thing. No coaching system takes, takes effect in a year. You want to talk about insanity. There are, and this has been at the high school, like we were in Texas, mm-hmm. high school football's king. 
Right. There are successful high school coaches that don't keep their jobs now. Yeah. Tom Westerberg, who's one of the most successful coaches in Texas high school football history. Well, he went to coach after Todd Dodge, mm-hmm. after they won all their state championships at South Lake. Yeah. Well, when Todd left to go coach at North Texas, which he very quickly found out he was not a good college coach, <laughs> but now he's down at Austin Westlake winning yeah. state championships. Right. They put Tom Westerberg in. Mm-hmm. Tom Westerberg every year is going 12 and 1 and 11 and 2, getting to the state semifinals, getting to the state quarterfinals. Right. They fired him because they self reported themselves for too many practices that were against UIL policy. Guess what? They're doing something that every other school does in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. When they have their wide receiver workouts and the quarterback workouts in the, in the, in the summer. When they're having their lineman workouts in the summer. Right. Sp- additional above The same off. cheating and everybody if, and else coaches is doing. Hap- and coaching just so happened to be there. Right. And, but because they weren't winning state championships anymore, 11-2 and two wasn't enough. 12-1 and one going to the state semifinals right. wasn't enough. Like, if you think about it, if we were in our normal world, and what do we consider success? If we were mm-hmm. successful 12 out of every 13 times, and some say, yeah, I don't, just don't think In baseball, right. you are the greatest player of all time. Uh, that's not even... If you're, if you're good three and a half out of 10 times, right. you're world Hall of Fame level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're better than anybody who's ever but, played yeah. the game. But they self-reported themselves, so they, that way they didn't have to fire him. Right. He was, he was fired because of violation of UIL policies. Well, good friend of ours. Yeah. Uh, was coaching New Zealand. Yeah. And he just, they, he won every single age group in their national championship that Makes year. Makes no sense. And they fired him that Monday. They didn't fire him. They didn't renew his contract that yeah. Monday. It's crazy. Yeah. No, but I, I told you I'd tell you how yeah. I got into coaching. So I was going to college to be a football coach. Um, I was obsessed with football. I loved football. I didn't play that much in high school. I was good enough to be on the team and just average enough to be ignored. Mm-hmm. So like with any coaching, I don't know, maybe I would have been good. I'm not blaming anybody else. It was my fault. Sure. I didn't work hard enough. I didn't, whatever. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have great coaching either. Yeah. Great coaches bring that out of you. Yeah. But we didn't have great coaching. Yeah. It was Illinois. And then it was Minnesota. And when we moved to Minnesota, I said, screw it. I'm not going to play football. I'm just going to focus on wrestling because they had three seasons. And I went straight to wrestling. And I was always kind of more of a wrestler's mentality. Yeah. But I still loved football. Yeah. I was st- I was addicted. I mean, I grew up in Chicago with the 85 Bears. Yeah, right. How can you not be addicted? <laughs> you know, Michael Singletary, Walter Payton, Jim McMahon. I worshiped Jim McMahon. Yeah. So I was still always around the game. Mm-hmm. And when we were in Minnesota, I started gymnastics a little bit late. I was just primarily doing tumbling and stuff. But my best friend was state champion. Okay. And he was six foot, 200 pounds. <laughs> he was a beast. Yeah. He, uh, but he was state champion on rings and P-bars. Oh my gosh. So he was a monster. Yeah. And so I started going, I, I started tumbling and stuff like that there and was always around gymnastics and then of course the wrestlers worked out downstairs and the girls worked out upstairs the gymnasts and so we'd go up there and mess around and stuff and so anyway but so as i was around gymnastics i was always injured so i never got to compete Uh but i was around it and it's a complicated sport and so once you learn the basics and stuff you know you can coach it but i wanted to be a football coach so i was working at the boys and girls club 
<laughs> with you. The BGC. <laughs> yes. With you. But I don't know if you know, I actually worked in the actual Boys and Girls Club, too. In one of the branches. Yeah, in one yeah. of the branches. Right. With, uh, I don't remember his name. What was our supervisor's name? Little Femi oh, guy. Oh, man. Rick? Randy. 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 Anyway. So I worked in the, uh, I worked in the, I just called him a Femi guy. <laughs> I forgot we're on the coach's spot, totally not the rogue right. Story, yeah. Not the rogue right. So anyway, I worked in the branch, too. And then uh, while I was working in the branch, I don't know if you remember her, Kim Owens yeah, owned Head Over Heels. Yeah. She's the one that said, hey, don't you have, don't you know something about gymnastics? Yeah. I go, I know a little bit. And so she asked me to work for Head Over Heels. Okay. And I said, well, how much does it pay? Yeah. And she told me, I'm like, well, hell yeah, I'll be there Monday. Because <laughs> Boys and Girls Club was paying us like $7.25 an hour. Dude. And I think hers started at 12 bucks an hour plus 10 bucks a school. Because oh, nice. you traveled to different schools. Right. And I, at the time, I was like, oh, I can do this. It's just preschool gymnastics. Yeah. And I was having a pretty good time doing that. Not to mention the fact that all the girls I worked with, <laughs> not the gymnasts, meaning the other, <laughs> the other coaches. The legal ones. Yeah, the yeah. legal ones. Yeah. And then she got a phone call from Chris Johansson, who owned Allen Gymnastics. Okay. And he asked her to sub a class. And she's like, well, can I bring one of my coaches with me that has more actual gymnastics experience? And he said, sure, absolutely. So her and I coached the class that Tuesday night because he was so desperate. Yeah. And after the class, he's like, you guys did a great job. You want to do it from now on? And she's like, oh, if Jason will do it with me, yeah, great. Wow. She never showed up again. I think she showed up maybe, we, he gave us Tuesday and Thursday nights. And yeah. I think she showed up maybe two more classes, never showed up again. So I was by myself. You gave me your class. Yeah. yeah. And then after a month, he's like, you're doing a spectacular job. Will you, you want more classes? You want to go full time? And I was like, hell yeah. So I was still working at Head Over Heels and then working there in the afternoons. Okay. Just to make money. Yeah. Back then. And it was a shitload of money for, oh, I'm not yeah. supposed to swear on the coach's spot. It was a crap load of money for the time. Yeah for the amount of hours I could work. Right. And so I did, th I started doing that. And then I was there for a while and I, I switched gyms finally. Cause I just got sick of Chris. Yeah. He was just annoying and he wouldn't move me up. That's what it was. A I bunch I, of my kids, a bunch of my kids were moving up to team yeah. and he wouldn't move me. Yeah. And so I left, but I ended up coaching rec some other gym. Uh -huh. So now I'm five years in and I'm just coaching rec. Okay. Maybe not five years, maybe three or four. But anyway, I'm coaching rec and Chris calls me and is like, hey, I really need you to come back. If you come back, I'll let you coach team. And at the time, Allen Gymnastics sucked. Mm -hmm. Well, not at the time. They've always sucked. <laughs> and so, which is funny because they had some really good coaches, yeah. but it was just a very competitive time because Woga just got here and all this stuff. Yeah. And Kurt Thomas just opened. And so I went back, I went back and I remember my first meet as a and what he did is he went around and he was like they had coaches have their own groups mm -hmm. it's kind of like the gym i just left they have their own groups okay and so you only see those girls so he went around to all the coaches and said what girls don't you want and then gave them to me oh wow and so i started winning with those girls with the leftovers with the leftovers wow and because of my coaching style, I believe, and because of my coaching system, even though I was young, I was putting it together correctly. Right. So I had that team first meet. I took those girls to. I was on the floor with Kurt Thomas and Valeria Lucan, who are two of the greatest gymnasts who ever lived. Right. Well, and Kurt Thomas is dead, but he passed away this summer. But 
um, so here in here I am. And I'm like, holy crap. So I was there for a bit. At that time, I lived with Rob. Yeah. And so I was living with Rob. So I had to make money because I was living on my own. Yeah. But I knew Alan, I was never going to go anywhere. Yeah. And I wanted to learn from other coaches. So I put out my resume and I had some, I had some bites. Most of them were like, hey, if you do rec 70% of the time, you can do team, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And it just the way it fell together. Kind of like a step back if you're doing Yeah, that. right. And so just the way it fell together, University of Gymnastics had just fired two of their coaches. Yeah. And so I went in and she's like, hey, I have a beam and floor coach. Will you be the bar and vault coach? I said, sure, of course. That's much easier than what I was doing. And that's great, whatever. And so I was scared really bad but all they had were low level kids and then they had the owner's daughter and another girl who were high level mm -hmm. really high level you knew the owner's daughter was going to go elite but they had their own coaches mm -hmm. they had two a married couple that was on national team and they were good coaches mm -hmm. and i remember i was coaching there and i was doing well and with those compulsories and then those two national team coaches were going to leave okay and or not coaches they were national team kids but now they're coaches yeah. we're leaving and i remember the owner pulls me into the office and says jason do you want to coach my daughter because you're coach and at this time the beam and floor coach wasn't working out real well uh -huh. oh you know the beam and floor coach yeah yeah, yeah. you do <laughs> i forgot <laughs> Oh, I so love that's about, the that's about the time that we, we, we yeah. we'd moved in yet. Yeah, I or, think we were close. Yeah, we were close. Something about that time. So, no, we did live together. Okay. Because I remember the phone call. Yeah. I remember standing at our counter. At El Lago? Uh, yeah, yeah, at El Lago. And so, anyway, so you knew my Beeman floor coach at the time. Yeah. And so, anyway, I didn't feel ready because mm. I knew she was going to go elite and I was terrified. And this was one of the few times in my life when I was scared and I said, no. And she said, okay, well, just so you know, I called a friend of mine and he said that the best bar coach in the nation is in Mesquite. So I'm going to send her there and she's going to do homeschool and go in the mornings. I said, okay, I totally 100% agree with that. If you'll call and ask if I can come watch their practices. So here's. If you're listening to the coach's spot and you're looking for how to become a better coach, yeah. that's how you do it. Absolutely. Because that wasn't easy for me. No. I totally dropped my ego, which is the number one killer of talent. Absolutely. I dropped my ego and I said, okay, I'm going to go. And it was Terry Walker. Yeah. Terry Walker was the a bar coach. And I went there and Terry was exactly who Terry is. Took me under his wing, said, hey, do you golf? I said, I do. And he's like, great, let's go golfing after this. Yeah. And it said, you can come in any morning. And I would go in mornings and watch their practice, not say a word, not even ask questions. Right. And leave. And so what happened is they brought in another coach who was a piece of crap, but a great coach, but a terrible per human being. Uh -huh. um, screw it. Named Steve Elliott. He was power tumbling champ. Uh and him and Terry became friends. Well, mm -hmm. they couldn't afford to keep the Beeman floor coach, Terry and Steve Elliott, uh -huh. who was such a big deal at the time. Okay. So they let Terry go. So Terry's destroyed. Mm -hmm. Says, I'm not coaching anymore. I'm done. I'm wow. never going to coach again. Uh, I hate the sport, blah, blah, blah. So I, I, he was supposed to meet with a friend of ours that day and didn't 
go to the meeting, which is, you know, Terry, totally not like him. Yeah, right. So I finally get a hold of him. He tells me what happened. And he goes, so I'm never setting foot in the gym again. He was destroyed. Yeah. And I said, ah, that's too bad because uh, Monday you said you'd help me with my TAF team because you don't work afternoons. And he's like, what? And I said, he goes, you're going to hold me to that? I said, absolutely. Yeah, right. And Terry being Terry. He did it. He did it. Yeah. He showed up Monday. <laughs> and so he shows up and he's coaching my TAF kids. Well, we did both seasons and TAF is like a lower league. Mm -hmm. And just from the little bit of coaching for me and Terry, they destroyed everybody that year. And about two weeks in, he's like, okay, Taft season's almost over. I'm like, great. And I went to Dana, who was the head coach. And I said, hey, or head, she owned the gym. Mm -hmm. Said, hey, if you'll hire Terry as head coach, I'll step down. Because he was just helping out. Yeah. He even did classes. That's wow. how nice Terry is. They were like, hey, we don't have anybody to teach this boys team class. Terry's like, I'll do it. And went over and coached boys team. Yeah. I mean, he was spectacular. Probably about one of the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah. Ever. Well, and he would coach beam and floor. And I was coaching bars and vault. And then I would just ask him stuff because now we were in my environment so I could ask him stuff. Right. It was like going to coaching college. Yeah. And he, uh, he, so I, I went to Dana said, Hey, you know, she goes, yeah, absolutely. But I can't lose you over it. Yeah. So if it doesn't work out, you let me know. And cause I'm not losing you over it. Wow. So we coached together well, however long we lived together. Yeah. Cause he moved in with us a year after that. Yeah. And then, so the three of us had a three bedroom apartment and then about two years in after that, I was like, I need to, I want my own head coaching position. Yeah. And he fought it tooth and nail. He mm -hmm. was like, no, stay. I'm not here forever. Stay, 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 stay. And he, uh, and, but he said, but if you do want to leave, I will help you find a place to go yeah and so i did and then i went in and told dana dana's like you jerk you told me i wouldn't leave you over the, you wouldn't leave over this i'm like it's five years later what do you mean she's like no you said you would stay you know blah blah right and she was pretty upset and so i ended up leaving which was probably the worst mistake of my coaching gymnastics i probably should have stayed there mm. i probably should have stayed with terry and just been patient i think i think maybe he wouldn't have left but if I would have done that, he never would have met his wife. Right. He wouldn't have five kids. <laughs> so I think sometimes you're the sometimes you're the main character and sometimes you're the co supporting cast. Is supporting cast. Absolutely. And I think in Terry's point part of his life, I was the supporting cast. Yeah. Uh so I if I would have stayed, I don't know how both our lives would have turned out. I wouldn't be married to Becky. I wouldn't have two kids. Oh, he yeah. wouldn't be married to who he's married to. And he wouldn't have coached New Zealand. He wouldn't have, right. you know, I mean, he's done unbelievable, amazing things. He's in Virginia Beach now. That's awesome. And he's still a great guy. I called him not too long ago. Yeah. And right away, he's there to help. I mean, he's just. I sincerely doubt that would ever change. No, yeah. I don't think it will. No. It, his, he's. It's just who he is. Yeah. He's just that kind of guy. Good dude. I mean, everybody I talk to, even now, is like, hey, have you talked to Terry? Yeah. You know, that's in that industry. So that's how I ended up. And then I bounced around and, and coached in a bunch of different systems. I finally had high level gymnasts and things just didn't work out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just one of those things. Terry used to always tell me, he's like, dude, dude, you don't build the leads. They can walk in your gym. It's, it's not, it's, you can be the best coach in the world and you never get the perfect package. Yeah. And I think it's the same way with, 
it's why statistics don't change even when you have great coaching. Like here in Texas, yeah. I think the average player is better than probably any other state in most sports. Across the board. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, but the same number of pros come out of Texas that come out of other places mm -hmm. because you have to have the complete package Absolutely. and there's things you can't coach. And so you have to have the determination, the mm -hmm. work ethic and the talent. Absolutely. Although I think talent is the least on that list. Mm -hmm. And Gator agreed with me. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure you agree with me. I think for the most part, when you get to, like you said, to certain positions, certain levels, when you're talking about moving up, mm -hmm. everybody's going to be talented. Right. At certain points. What did, what separates is determination, desire, and discipline. Well, and there's perfect examples of that. Tom Brady is a perfect example. Oh, my gosh. Because he's not. He's, he's not, not the most talented. No. There's a reason he was a no. six six round draft pick. Right. Where he, Drew Brees. He barely, he actually had to fight for the starting quarterback right. position at Michigan. Yeah. You know? They said, they said Drew Brees wasn't. Good enough to play in the. They was too, too short. Too, too small. Short. Couldn't throw. Couldn't yeah. Throw hard enough. They said John Elway threw too hard. Yeah. I mean, it's just stupid. And you know, it's funny. You said you hate Moneyball, or you won't watch Moneyball because, yeah. besides the fact you hate the Oakland A's, or you hate Billy yeah. Bean, or Both. whatever. Both. Both. Yeah. Both. <laughs> uh, that's that's something that does come out of that movie. Yeah. That people got to stop thinking like they think. Scouts think they're too intelligent, and they're not. Right. And they think they can. I've coached for 25 years now and I've coached different sports, gymnastics being my number one. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing I've noticed, it's that I can't pick them out of a crowd yeah. and nobody can, nobody can. You know how many kids I see get burned out in WOGA? Oh yeah. They just run them through this grinder and whoever's, the person that's left on the other side is not the most talented, is not, it's the one that's most determined to get through that. Right. Because they grind them. Well, there's so many things that might happen outside of the sport itself yeah. family right. school, every sport yeah that they just decide this is not what i want to do right just right. growth in their physical mental emotional right that starting from point a and at point a they were the cream of the crop right but to get to that finish line yeah that, that you have no idea right you take what you're given you coach as best as possible what comes out in the wash is what happens when am i one of my favorite athletes is Steve Prefontaine. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's just a stud. Yeah, he is. And he said, he said every person he ran against had more talent in their little finger than he had in his whole body. Yeah. But he had the highest pain threshold of any other human being on the face of the planet. Yeah. They said that was his only talent is that he can, could beat himself into the ground. Outwilled them. Outwilled them. Yeah. And that was his talent. Yeah. And I think most of the people you see that make it to the pros that's their talent. Absolutely. Is they, they can work harder. They're more determined mm -hmm. and they have the right mindset at the end of the day. Absolutely. And you can coach that to a certain extent. I think you can coach that from a D player to a C player, maybe a B minus player, but there has to be some that they're. I think we mentioned it in the, the previous, like the, the rogue, right? Mm -hmm. You can have the opportunity provided to you. Right. You have to determine what to do with it. Right. If you just take it for granted, if you think that your talent's going to get you to that position, man, there's so much stuff that has to take place beyond just the mm -hmm. normal practice with you and the coach, you right. and the team. There's stuff that you have to do outside of that. Well, and you have to trust the coaching you're getting. Yeah. And I think you know if you're getting good coaching. And I, all my girls that have been successful, they bought into the system. They were like, okay. I think this works because my system's based on attitude, effort, and hard work. Mm -hmm. It's not based on, well, oh, and to finish my story, when I turned down 
and I think I've said this story before, so I apologize. But when I turned down Dana, mm-hmm. um, Haley is now married to Jonathan Horton. Okay. And who was an Olympian didn't win his first meet till 16, by the way, he's an amazing individual. Wow. But Haley is an amazing individual. She's a great business. She's has businesses and her and her sister. They're just good. Ki- I mean, they're, their uh, dad was a uh, wrestler at Oklahoma. Okay. So, you know, he is a tough individual. Dana okay. was a gymnast at Oklahoma. Okay. So they're just, they're tough people. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the pros in both those sports. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> if you make it to the college level and she told me she, that she wished that I hadn't turned down her mom, that she thinks she would have done well under me. And she said, because, and I'm not doing this to pump myself up. Right. And who knows if you asked her, she might say, I never said that, <laughs> <laughs> but she did. And she said, I didn't need, I didn't need the technical knowledge. Yeah. I needed someone to believe in me. Yeah. That's all I needed. And her husband, and he'll tell you this, if he remembers, who knows, he probably would, he couldn't pick me out of a lineup, right. but he asked me, he said, he probably doesn't want Haley to know this. He said, you were there when she was younger. Mm-hmm. How good was she? I said, she's the best athlete I've ever been in a room with ever. When you talk about, and this was, this is what kind of athlete she is. If she heard this podcast, she would be embarrassed right now mm-hmm. because I said that about her because that's the kind of person she is. Yeah. She had the drive, the determination, the work ethic and the talent. I mean, she was the full package. Right. And she is to this day. And I've been in the room with some great, and that's, that's including, I've been in the room, but she's, oh man, she's going to, it's not like they'll ever hear this. She was better than, I've been in the room with Kim Zemesko. Okay. I've been in the room with Jonathan Horton. Yeah. I've been in the room with elite athletes of yeah. all levels. Sean Johnson. Yeah. I've been in there. Haley was, was better than them. Yeah. I don't know them from work ethic wise. Kim Zemesko, really hard worker. Yeah. Sean Johnson, unbelievable hard worker. Nasty Lucan, unbelievably talented. <laughs> but Haley was the best. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. She just she was plagued with injuries and she everything else. There's she could have been the best. I said there's things like that you just can't well the outlive. You can't outcoach the best the best players that have ever lived never made it to the NFL. Oh yeah. Because of life. You hear stories like that all the time from people like man, if you yeah. just seen this some this kid in You high hear from school, golf all the time. College, yeah golf all the time i'll tell you what i wrestled with the probably the best wrestler of all time but you got him to a meet he fell apart yeah and that's part of being a champion and that's part of getting there i understand that but that doesn't mean that they weren't the best Mm -hmm. they just weren't the best on those days at that time at that time yeah and you hear about it all the time you hear about well what's the rookie about the rookie he didn't even yeah the movie the rookie the baseball one yeah Who's that about? Oh, uh, not that he was the best or anything, but he didn't make it to the pros till he was almost 40. Right. Or he was he, 40. But he, and he kept playing. He was yeah. a journeyman that any, basically anybody that would take him and pick him up. Right. You know, he was making almost literally no money. Right. Well, leaving, he was coaching. He yeah. was coaching in Lubbock or right. someplace. But leaving his family just for that, that one opportunity yeah. where everything just lined well, up. Well, he didn't even, is it like the movie where he didn't even try? He didn't even mean to try he tried out because his high school team get dared him to yes yeah. because he wanted to prove a point because right. he said you never give up on your dreams and they're like well you can still throw yeah, and then he ends up oh i guess i'm throwing at 80 and he was throwing at 90 yeah just because he was rested 
That you say his shoulder uh, was yeah, able to. Yeah, it repaired itself. Yeah, and and which means it wasn't tears because tears don't repair in your shoulder. But right. I mean, that's it's sad. And I've I've said since day one that the worst, saddest thing in athletics is not losing its unfulfilled potential. Yeah. I mean, maybe you don't agree with me, but that's to me no. the saddest thing. Because well, the reality because is, it means someone failed in coaching. The reality is when you come to athletics of any form or fashion you're going to lose i don't care how oh, good yeah. you are doesn't matter it's you're going to lose ben Askren. hopefully you lost big yeah and he was the you can say what you want he's in the top 20 of wrestlers of F- all time wrestler from all time yeah and hopefully you win way more than you lose he was a douchebag everybody's, <laughs> everybody's going to lose the the reality is those people that never even put themselves in position to win or lose right that never got there. That's the saddest thing. Yes. And the problem is a lot of times it's because of coaching. It can be. It's absolutely. because of bad coaching um, left a bad taste in their mouth. One of the things you mentioned that I was actually thinking about when you said it is that, you know, you were on the floor with all these other coaches and stuff like that, or even to a, when you get to a certain level of coaching, mm-hmm. all of you probably know the same techniques, how to coach that stuff. Mm-hmm. You may even say the same stuff. Right. But again, it's a mindset. It's a personality. It's a way to get people to say, you know what, I believe I'll run through that brick wall for you. Right. I'll do what you say, even though I may not feel like I can do it right now. I right. trust you enough and I believe in you enough that I'll keep doing it until I get it right. Right. That's a great coach. Right. Because any one of us can read a how to coach for dummies. Right. Or watch enough YouTube clips to learn the actual verbiage, the drills, the skills, the techniques. But just because you know it doesn't mean you can coach. Well, and, you know, cliches are cliches for a reason. Yeah. And I think the most important thing I ever tell my athletes is, okay, it's okay. You don't have to believe you can do it. Mm-hmm. You can borrow some of mine because I totally believe you can do it. And you watch their faces change. Or sometimes I believe, okay, you don't have the belief in yourself. Yeah, Borrow some of mine because I got plenty of belief in you. And sometimes I think that's what Haley was telling me. That was enough. And I think Haley knows it wasn't my ego that would want to coach Haley. Yeah, It was, it was, I care, I generally cared about Haley. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what comes across. The greatest compliment I've ever had as a coach. And it was at a no, like it was a TAF meet, which is not even close to USA. Mm-hmm. Although it's 10 times more fun because it's 10 times more laid back. But, and it was a no level, like low, low level gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And a coach who I respect came up to me and he said, man, I don't know how you do it. I'm like, what do you mean? We're like middle of the pack. We're not even doing great. We're not having a great day. He goes, oh, that's not it, man. He said, You're, he goes, my girls compete for me. He goes, your girls look like they would die for you. Yeah. And that's, that's a compliment. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what it is? It's like, what? He goes, I'd never ask them to. That's the difference. Yeah. I would never ask them. And they know when they do something and it's not their best performance. Yeah. They know exactly where I'm going to put the blame on me because I take extreme ownership. I don't care what happened. I don't care what happened. It was my fault because I'm the coach. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's happened in the world right now that the problem is nobody's taken ownership. No, no one takes it. Everybody's the victim. Everything happens to you. Oh, well that injury happened to me. Okay. Well that's our fault or my fault Mm -hmm. as a coach. If it's an overuse injury, I didn't put our time in the right place. You didn't manage it right, yeah. I didn't, I didn't manage the time correctly. Yeah. Because when I'm a head coach, and I wasn't 
for the last few years because I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. I don't vault and tumble on the same day. It's too hard on the body. I won't do it because yeah. they have to run down a vault runway, which is a mm-hmm. one inch of foam yeah. and hit a springboard that I purposely load too much because when we get to a meet, who knows what springboard will be there. Right. And if it's a brand new one, those springs are brand new. So you mean they're not, they're not all got, the same? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be able to compress it. Yeah. And I have the vault higher than it usually should be, especially at low levels, because when I, I want it to be easier when we go to the meet. Yeah. So... But so for that very reason, I don't tumble and vault on the same day. Every gym I've been at since then does. I never have. Yeah. And I've had a crap load of vault champions. Mm-hmm. I would say vault is my best event by far, 100%. And it's because I was crappy at it when I first started coaching. I'm like, I got to get better than this. Yeah. And Terry, again, Terry, yeah. took me under his wing and said, this is how you become a better vault coach. Mm. I remember a very good lesson that I learned from him. I was at his gym. I was at when they had the, probably the best gym in Texas for a little bit. Mm. I was at the gym and he had a girl. I remember her vividly and she's doing your chenkos, which is round off back handspring onto, they go round off on the floor or they go round off onto the board, back handspring onto the vault. Oh, wow. It's, it's, it's pretty much the compulsory college vault now. Okay. So anyway, I know there's no compulsories in college, by the way. I, I'm saying that everybody competes it. Uh, I did uh, one coming into your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying everybody in college competes it. So anyway, I don't want everybody to be like, that's not right. That's not right. It's, it happens all the time. <laughs> and so anyway, they're training that. And Terry or Steve go, hey, what's that board at? And she goes, it was Steve, actually. It was Steve Elliott, who, yeah. by the way, is banned from USA Gymnastics now mm. uh, for exactly what you think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but he was a good coach. He was just not good in that sense. And he was a weirdo. Yeah. And I don't mind telling him. He, I would say it to his face, too, so don't worry. But anyway, <laughs> this girl's vaulting, and he goes, hey, what's the board set at? She's like, ah, da, da, da. And so she tells him. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's about an inch off. Pull it back about an inch. She's like, okay. She pulls it back an inch, goes back down, does a better vault. I go, wow, you got to dial down to that. He goes, hell no. She needed a correction. She, it, the board position meant nothing. Yeah. But I know that kid's head, and that kid needed a correction. Yeah. He goes, it, to make the vault that just a little bit better, she just needed a correction. She it, it had no. I could have told her that she needs to put one finger in her nose. <laughs> and he goes, sometimes they just need a correction. Right. And which is very not me. I'm the opposite. I'm like, if it's good, it's good. Like, yeah. I don't talk. I don't overcorrect a lot. Right. Um, I've had people complain about it because it's like, he doesn't show me any, he doesn't show me enough attention. I'm like, I'm just, there's nothing to correct. You look good. Right. Just, you know, I compliment constantly, mm-hmm. but they don't hear that. Yeah. They only hear the correction. So he's like, no, she just needed a correction. Because if I would have said, no, that's good. You're coming on at a good angle and all that stuff. He goes, it wouldn't have gotten better. She just needed a correction. I'm like, okay, cool, bro. But that was a valuable lesson. Sometimes they just need, and I've heard coaches that do that all the time. Yeah. They're like, hey, you know, do this. And I'm like, that's stupid correction. They just need a correction. Well, they just think that they need to say something. They need to be coached. Yeah. That's what it is. They need to be coached. And my girls get to the point where they understand. 
where they're like, okay, if he's not saying anything, it's because I'm on the right track. Well, here's the reality. You're not the one actually performing it. And yeah. if you haven't coached them to be able to do it the, as, as they're going through the performance, right? then, I mean, what happens yeah. if you're not there? Right. Well, and it's illegal in gymnastics. I can't coach them during an event. Yeah. So if I can't coach them during an event, right. they need to learn to like that silence. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> makes, yeah, makes sense. But, I mean, it, and again, my so- coaching system isn't, isn't based a lot. I mean, it's based a lot on drills. I do a lot of drills mm-hmm. and I coach a lot during drills, but there's sometimes I think kids get overcoached. Absolutely. And it's like they, all they do is think, well, think, 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 think. You're lucky because your son actually obviously has a really good coach. <laughs> right. But especially in younger level baseball, you'll find them extremely overcoaching them. Yes. Instead of letting them just I've play seen it. baseball. I've seen it. That was one of my biggest concern problems when I ran a baseball academy. I would have kids that would come to me that either had been working with pro- former professional mm-hmm. league players and were getting nothing right other than playing long toss with yeah. and spending a lot of money to play long toss with former major league players right. Right. or they would go to these places that were just teaching them before they before they knew it. They couldn't even just throw a baseball because there was too many things to think about mechanic wise. Yeah. Right. I'm like Pick up the ball and just throw it. Yeah. Okay. Grab the Sometimes bat. you just let, let got to let their physicality right. and and the re- repetition. You know, good. <laughs> this is so dumb. But a really good point on that is Karate Kid. Yeah. Paint, wax on, wax off. Yeah. Paint up and down. Now show me paint. Yeah. And it's, but it's repetition. Yeah. He didn't correct. He was like, okay, no, break the wrist more. This is how it goes. And then done. Yeah. Let let the lessons take hold. Yeah. Because if you keep changing that foundation, mm-hmm. you're well, not going to be able to build anything on it. One of my best baseball players I ever had end up playing uh, collegiate professional ball mm-hmm. had the worst technical-wise, mechanical-wise swing. Yeah. You would basically try to deconstruct it. Right. Like, there's, no, you cannot do that. And scouts are like, you'll never get back to the ball right. that it was way. Never, it was just, you can't. And I think for the first month, I tried working with them. I'm like, okay, well, it's change your swing to make it more yeah. flat level plane, you know, go through all the technical aspects. Right. So you're through the zone a lot longer. And then he's contact. like, I'm, 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 I'm hitting the ball. Well, as soon, as soon as we did that, <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden he lost all his ability to drive the ball. Right. He lost his ability to keep his weight back to either hit the fastball or the off speed. Mm-hmm. He could, he couldn't do that. And basically it took his best skill, which is see ball, hit ball. Right. And try to make it too technical for him. It's like, you know what? Everything we just worked on for the last month? Forget it. Forget it. Yeah. Go back and just see ball, hit ball. Yeah. And he ended up playing professional baseball. Now he's a coach in the right. professional system. It's it's so, crazy. Yeah. And it's funny how some of the people with the worst. You know what's fun? When I first, when I got good at golf, mm-hmm. I got a lot better. Uh, my friend Arnie, who's been on my other podcast. I think, did you meet Arnie yeah. here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super nice guy. Yeah. He... I coached him in golf for a while. Oh wow! And he got to a uh, he got to the other side of zero. Wow! Four on the other side of zero. Wow! So he was shooting four under, That's like amazing. easy, and could b- drive the ball three twenty five. Oh. And it was simple corrections. And he'll te- he tells people it embarrasses the crap out of me all the time. He's like, "Well, the best I ever played is when Jason was my swing coach, but he doesn't have time anymore." Yeah. And then I'm like, "Dude, shut up!" Like, <laughs> that's because I liked working with you, not because I because right. I hated teaching golf because I taught it for a while because uh, I got my PAT and yeah. I, I hated it. I hate teaching adults. Arnie will listen. Like we'll play, and I'm like, "Hey, dude, 
Yeah. You got to get the weight to the front foot. And it's little things. And he's like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden he'll start smacking the ball. Yeah. And he, uh, he's a prime example of it's just natural ability, but we played in a tournament together mm -hmm. and it was, it was a really fun tournament. It was a 4th of J July tournament at Westridge and it was a two man scramble. Yeah. And so they pair you with a pair of people you don't know. So then people don't cheat because you okay. switch scorecards yeah. and we shot a 57. Wow. Just the two of us. And we played with these guys and on the first hole they watched Arnie hit. And then I took some practice swings and the guy goes, I don't even know how you could get back to the ball with that swing. <laughs> And I'm, I was like, Pfft. well, we're about to find out. Yeah, you're about to find out. And I put it to maybe three feet on a par three. Yeah. I'm just like, boop. I go, that's how I get back to the ball. And then we went up and sank the putt. And then they were nowhere near us the rest of the day. Uh, like, they were like, I'm like, oh, they were so deflated. And we ended up winning by one stroke because there was another team that had already made me angry oh, yeah. because I worked in the pro shop at the time. Uh -huh. And he came in. And he's like, hey, anybody in this tournament that we got to worry about? I go, well, me and Arnie are. And he's like, no, seriously. Oh. And I was like, okay. And I, <laughs> I go, the worst thing that's going to happen to you is I'm going to go tell Arnie now. Yeah, right. And I went and told Arnie and Arnie's like, it's on. Because you don't want to get both of us focused. Yeah. Like that was the day we were both focused. Because we, play, we played again at Cowboys. Not this 4th of July because everything was shut down. Yeah. But the 4th of July before. And it was funny because we played in a two-man scramble. Mm-hmm. And we show up and same thing. They pair you with people you don't know. Mm -hmm. So you can't cheat. And this is a huge tournament. Okay. It was flighted though. I think there were three flights and we were in first flight and we, we go up. I go, Hey Arnie, just so you know, I want to let you know ahead of time we're playing with two women and only because I didn't want him to offend them. I don't care about playing with women. Yeah. And we, they show up and they instantly, have I told you this story? I think so. They instantly start apologizing for being women. <laughs> <laughs> and Arnie's like, we don't, we honestly don't care. Yeah. We don't care. Yeah. Like, please just play with us. Just, yeah. We just want you to have fun. Right. Like that's our most, he goes, but if our music offends you, yeah, please let us know. We'll change it. And they go, you can't offend us. And Arnie goes, bet. <laughs> and we did not offend them all day long. We tried too. <laughs> oh man. And we're on the last hole and uh, they have it on the screen yeah. of where you're placed. Okay. And we were down by two strokes, yeah. but I put it, I think it was me. I, I, I'm sorry that every story I tell is me putting it close on a par three, but I tend to play par three as well. And anyway, I put it to like six feet yeah. and we get up there and she's like, stink this putt, beat those guys. <laughs> like they were going with Arnie drink for drink. Wow. Cause you know, I don't drink, but yeah. they were drinking and they were going with Arnie drink to drink. They both played, uh, I think it was basketball at Lubbock. So they're athletes. Yeah. They're athletes. Yeah. They weren't very good, but they were great to play with. Yeah. And they were both learning. They were both new. Yeah. So don't, don't, when I say they weren't very good, no, they, they were, having they were fun. athletes. They were having fun. They were athletes. Um, we had a great time. We get, we, um, told her to get this app so we could be friends on this app so we can play together again. Yeah. We haven't gotten a chance cause of COVID and everything, but we're friends with her on this app. That's cool. And uh, we sunk the putt, so we birdied, and the other team bogey, and we ended up winning. That's awesome. Yeah, so, and that was a 4th of July tournament at Cowboys. Yeah. And they were like, man, you guys, it's funny, because when Arnie and I, the guys we play with are all good. Yeah. Gator, we play with Gator. Yeah. We play with all these guys that are really good players. And then we go to these tournaments, get paired up with people we don't know, and they're like, wow, you're really good. And yeah. we're like, we suck. <laughs> like, we suck compared to who we play with. Right. I play with Craig Nall, who uh, was the backup to Brett Favre. Yeah. He's going to be on the show. Really? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he's going to be. So you should come that So day. wait, a Packers fan is going to interview a, I mean, a Bears fan is going to interview a Packers fan. 
Well, he's not a Packers fan. Or, well, he played he for the for Packers. Him. He yeah. played for Buffalo, too. Yeah, he did. He was actually the starting quarterback for Buffalo until he blew his knee out. Okay. He, he, going into preseason, he was the starter. Oh, man. And then he blew his knee out, I think. Or hurt his knee. Yeah. Hurt his knee. He teaches football camps now. Does he? Yeah, super. Have you ever met him? No. Super nice guy. He lives here in McKinney. Very cool. So I've played golf with him a bunch. He, uh, super nice guy. Yeah. But he, I've tried to get him on the show like every weekend, and every weekend he's like, I'm on a guy's trip. I got a camp. This weekend he has a camp. He had to fly to Virginia to help somebody getting ready for college. And oh, that's then he, not too bad. No. And then he came back, and he's got a football camp all day tomorrow. Very cool. So super nice guy. Um, He's one of the reasons I like NFL players. Like, he's totally the exact opposite of what you think NFL players are. Very cool. So, um, But he's going to be on the show because he's coaching. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. I gotta get. I gotta get some. Uh, I'm hoping someday we'll be big enough that I can get somebody like Nick Saban, but oh, I doubt man. that's gonna happen. Nick That'll is, be a Zoom call. Nick is a pretty hard get nowadays. I, I no kidding. Like I, said, I hear he's pretty. He's doing pretty well. Oh, I hear he's just, doing pretty well at his school. Like we had him at Plano. You know who's gonna be an easy get on the show? What's that? In another two seasons is Bill Belichick because he's gonna. Suck. <laughs> he's gonna need a job. <laughs> but no, we had Nick Saban come and t- uh, talk and coach. Uh, at a summer camp for Plano, but that's back when he was the head coach at LSU. Yeah. You know, they hadn't won their national championship there yet either. Right, right. So it was a little bit easier to get yeah. him back then. Yeah. And plus, he got paid a pretty good amount. Right. They make, you'd be, it's obscene how much they make. Oh, he's making. Speakers. Speakers. It's obscene. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, he's any making speaker. eight to nine million just I've seen Alabama. terrible speakers making uh, five grand a pop. Terrible. Terrible speakers. Yeah. Where they're like, Oh, you just, you got to try your best. And they just start spouting off cliches? Yeah. Which I, <laughs> I believe in cliches, but I think they have to be broken down of why they work. We well, can't just say them one right after another and just keep yeah. saying them and sound like a, you know, broken right. record. Like when I say, if you don't have enough belief, take some of my belief. Yeah. That's what that athlete needs at that time. Well, it's also not the very first thing they've ever heard you say either. No. There's a reason that they've accepted that from you. Right. And it had a lot to do with a lot of other stuff before you got yeah. to that phrase. Although the biggest cliche I use when I speak is that ego kills talent, which I don't even know if that's a cliche. It's a band out of Brazil. It's just the truth. Yeah. It's just, it's such a huge part of it. And I told Sean next time we'd have on, we'd talk all about egos and there's a difference. I'm confident in my coaching ability, especially on vault. Yeah. But to have an ego to say, Oh, that kid's just not good enough to, for me to coach them on vault. That's an ego. That's an ego. And I see that every day. Mm. I see, I get girls. The one, one of the most thankful things I am is for coaches that act like that. Because then they come to me and I get these unbelievably talented girls that have been ignored. Yeah, they're just ready to work. Or athletes. I want to say athletes. I get these unbelievable athletes that just want to work. Yeah. And just want to get better. And you give them little crumbs of knowledge and then they're on board. And then all of a sudden those same coaches are going, Oh, they're only that way because I had them first. Yeah. Okay. And what happened when? Yeah. You had them? What happened when you had them? Yeah. How bad did they suck? And it wasn't you, them. You kicked them to the curb. It wasn't them. Yeah. Yeah. I I'll tell you what. Another. I got a kid from a really big program, and after about two weeks, she's like, "You've coached me more in two weeks than they coached me in five years." Yeah. She goes, and they're a huge program. Right. And I'm like, it's just... Well, that's like when we were... I think we were still living together. Mm-hmm. And I just started doing baseball lessons. And the very first kid I had was a pitcher. He was a 15-year-old. Yeah. Um, had him off our off our JV team from Plano. 
mm-hmm. and we went out for our first lesson. So I'm like, hey, I just want to know because his parents came up to me like, you know, he's been working out with former Ranger Jose Guzman. Yeah. You know, we were paying him for a 30 minute session, 150 bucks an hour. Right. And I'm going to charge him 35 bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, God, I really undercharged him. Right, right. Um, so I'm like, okay, so. I usually charge a buck a minute. Yeah, right. That's I about, do. That's about I what do. it was. Yeah. Um, and so I'm basically saying, okay, well, I just need to kind of know where you are at in your workouts, in your building your progression with your former trainer. Right, right. Come to find out all they've been doing is long toss. I mean, he'll he'll warm up, yeah. stretch him. They'll talk a little bit about That's, some things, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me? You've been and how long have you been with him? Uh, about a year. And how long do you see? How often do you see him? Every two weeks. I'm like, so basically, you know, 26 times times 150. All the money that you just mm-hmm. spent about popped about four grand for to long toss with the guy. Right. So I said, okay, let's get you on the mound. And but I was like, so you've never talked about you know your rotation from you know L position to getting right. hips through to right. drive. I don't know what any of that stuff is. I'm like, oh man. I was like, well, that's here's ego. The thing. Well, and some of that's because they're so talented. Yeah. The per the meaning well, this, the pro. And, and this kid was just, yeah. I was gonna say the pro. Well, meaning the pro is so just, talented that they don't know what to do. Honestly, this guy was just wanting the 150 bucks. Right. But I was like, okay, so here's the thing. The reality is, is that you have no idea about any of this stuff. Mechanics. We spent the first two lessons just talking. Yeah. So, okay, well, here's our goal for this summer. Because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, you're on the JV. You want to hopefully get up to the varsity this next right, year. Right, right. You know, the reality is that that's going to be very difficult. But here's what we can do. Mm-hmm. So we'll take you where you are right now. And basically right now, you're just going to learn how to pitch. Right. And then we're going to build from there. That next year, he was still on JV. But his senior year, he was our number two starter. Mm-hmm. Got a scholarship to a Division two school. Paid for all of his schooling. Right. And now he coaches in Texas. Yeah. But... Is, is the reality was is that he just needed somebody to give them the time to understand what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And it takes any any coach, again, there are some out there that are just stealing money. Right. And there are some out there that decide, oh, you're too good for me, or vice versa. All most kids need at certain points in time, whether they, this becomes a livelihood for them or not, to help build them confidence, whether they become a used car salesman, whether they right. become a banker, whether they become a doctor. They need somebody to teach them to be confident and learn stuff so they can take that into their next profession. Right. Because otherwise, they've been told they're not good enough mm-hmm. or they don't have any clue. They mm-hmm. lose any confidence in themselves. They have none of that. Or they're just good enough to be there and not talented exactly. enough to pay attention to. And they are just they just blend into the background. Yeah. And they become accustomed to that and they become okay with that. And it took one... For the rest of your life. And it takes one coach just to say, hey, yeah. you know what? We'll spend 30 minutes and we'll... And just flips the script i'll tell you what yeah i i didn't get coaching till terry took me under his wing and i was already a coach yeah i never been coached up to that point right and terry was like "Ooh, this is what we got to do this is what this is why we do it Mm -hmm. and i think that was terry's talent is that he never made me feel stupid he was never like what a dumb question you know what i mean yeah he was like this is how we break it down if you don't know this is how we break it down it's not your fault you don't know you know, it's, he never made you feel dumb for that. Yeah. He was very talented at that. And he was like, oh, okay, well, this is what we do. Well, I remember when we lived together, obviously here I am 25, have no idea. The few times we talked about it. Right. We're just like, well, I ain't got time for this. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> and he would explain some things or what was going on or what he was doing. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Still may not know any of right, it. Right, right, right. But he didn't mind saying he was just that passionate about what he does. Yeah. But that humble to say, look, look. You know, okay, you want to talk about this for 30 minutes? I'll tell you what we yeah. got going on. You know what's That's funny cool. is 
when we what Olympics was it? Would that have been the two? Was it Sydney? When they were in Sydney, I can't remember. It was around two thousand, mm-hmm. and we were watching the Olympics yeah. in our living room. Once we moved into the three bedroom, yeah, and we're sitting there. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and we're sitting there, and we're watching. And the announcer goes is talking about a Russian gymnast, uh-huh. and he goes, "The Russian coaches say she's super talented, but sometimes." doesn't work as hard as she can. Yeah. And ter- as she's on the beam, Terry goes, that'll catch up with her. And she falls two seconds later. Yeah. I mean, he says, <laughs> that's going to catch up with her. Bam. She hits the beam hard. Yeah. And I'm like, that's right. Terry, <laughs> I swear to God, bro. <laughs> but he would, we would be in the gym and he could watch a girl swing and he would know she's going to peel and he would run and catch her. Uh, and just, he's his sixth sense yeah. of, and he just knows body positioning so much. Like he, he would tell me things and I'll be like, well, don't they just have to do this? And he's like, yes, but this, this, this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I didn't even see that much stuff in there. And then he explains it and I could see yeah. it. Like, it was like, it was like someone pulls this veil right. and everything just became clearer. Yeah. And it's just like, oh man. But he just, he was your you Mr. Miyagi. He, well, when he was thrown into elite gymnastics at 18. Oh, wow. Like, they were like, we need a spotter. Go. And he was at Cyprus when, like, they were... Yeah. Bella Caroli offered him a coaching position. Yeah. And his friends all coached with Bella Caroli. Wow. Like, Martin Parsley and, and Jeff Beal and all these guys that are now owning gyms and are really good coaches. Uh-huh. They were at Bella's, and he offered Terry a job and Terry said no because wow. he was in Houston yeah and Terry stayed where he was and then finally those two twins that coached there drove him out yeah they actually own a gym now down there and drove him out and he bumped around after that but he was there for years and wow. he was spotting stuff that people were just talking about competing like people weren't even competing the skills yet wow he did a spotting clinic at at gymnastics association of texas one year and he was doing the spotting clinic and this guy got in the way like he was teaching people how to spot so this guy's spotting and he could tell just by where the guy was positioned and how the girl was going it wasn't going to do it and he jumped in from the other side and grabbed this girl before the guy even reacted like he was like boop catches her and the guy's like oh oh sorry like (laughs) it was amazing he's amazing dude we were going to do a 20 minute show how'd that go you know (laughs) So anyway, we'll call it there. All right. <laughs> the battery's about to die anyway. It's yeah. probably going to go out right now. So, Coach the Spot, thanks for joining me, Will. Thank you, man. Again, Blast. open invitation anytime, Absolutely. no matter who. If someone else is the guest, I don't care. Oh, that's awesome. Um, like, sc- subscribe, share. Follow. Follow. Thank yeah. you. Uh, we are at their Coach Spot. I think it's on Facebook. Uh also, my website's going to be up soon, jasontpowell.com, and Coach's Spot will be on there. Nice. So, uh, anyway, thanks for joining me, man. Thank you, man. We will talk to you later. This will be a two-parter. <laughs> talk <laughs> to you later. Bye.